0: I'm excited to talk about Samson. we'll do a few weeks on him, a story that is well known. And have you ever known someone that is just full of potential and talent, but they just couldn't get out of their own way? Hey, you online, you know someone like that. It's like, man, if they could just get it together, they could do some amazing things. We know people like that. I, as a youth pastor, there were so many times where I saw teenagers with just such awesome potential. And they'd make a life-altering decision, and it seems that it would just be crashing down, and it was heartbreaking. You know, most likely, uh, you know this story of Samson, at least on the Sunday school level, right? He's this mixed-up superhero that had the weakness for the ladies. But more than that, Samson failed the people around him. People that looked to him as a hero, someone that could help them. But more often than not, he failed them. God gave Samson everything he needed to succeed. We're going to see that he ruined everything and found himself ending his life tragically in shame. How did he get there? How did he ruin his life? Before we talk about Samson, we're going to zoom out a little bit. Obviously, this is an Old Testament account an Old Testament character, story, person, real life. So this is before Jesus and his earthly ministry. So during this time, the people of Israel were trusting and believing that one day God was going to send them a Savior. So let's rewind history all the way to the beginning. we had got a timeline here. There's no way you could uh, you know, digest all of it all at once. But it is in your CBC app if you want to download that if you haven 't already done it. I encourage you to take a look at it and get in this mindset. It all starts with the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, the flood, the Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and his technicolor dream coat, Jews in slavery in Egypt, Moses parting the Red Sea, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, and then finally living in Promised land. So, after years of following great leaders like Moses and Joshua, for the very first time, the people of Israel had no human leader. They were broken up into 12 different tribes, and each tribe had their own pseudo government. But mainly, this country was a theocracy. their, Their king was God Himself. But as people do, Israel drifted farther and farther away from God. So God would get their attention. And then they would get right. And then they would again do evil in the sight of God and drift away from God again. So this brings us to the book of Judges. The Judges were people. This isn't Judge Judy, right? These are are people that God raised up to get the attention of the people of Israel. The Judges had their work cut out for them too. Because the Bible tells us during this time that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Does that sound vaguely familiar to you at all today, right? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Let's say that a different way. They had their own truth. So these judges were sent. Gideon, Deborah, Jephthah, Samson, and my favorite, Ehud. Maybe one day we'll get to talk about him. They're all leaders that God used to bring his people back to him. And hopefully over the next few years, we'll be able to sprinkle some highlighting some of these judges that God used to wake up Israel. So let's check out Judges chapter 13 and verse 1, and we'll look at the life of Samson. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. This was the consequences of their sin. There was a certain man named Zorah of the tribe of Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and you have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, eat nothing that's unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. The beginning of this story sound familiar at all. There was only a few babies that were foretold to their parents before their birth. You got John the Baptist, right? Jesus, to name a few. This is pretty good company that Samson's in. And we're going to see that Samson did some incredible things. But Samson also did some incredibly stupid things. We see in verse 1 that Israel had again gotten themselves in trouble. And they turned their back on God. So God sent someone to set them straight. God brought life through the barrenness of Samson's mother. And his parents were told to raise him differently. To set him apart as special. And one day he would save his people. He would save Israel. Now you might see that. Nazarite vow in uh, this account here. If you want to check out more about that in Numbers chapter 6, it goes and explains what that is. What the Nazarite vow is was essentially a way that a non-priest, an ordinary person, could make some vows to be set apart for the use and the glory of God. So a non-priest could say, I'm living by these vows. I'm devoting myself to serve God. From a whole life. So there's three vows that we're going to see that Samson had to live by. God told his parents three things. First, no alcohol. Secondly, don't touch anything that is dead like a corpse or roadkill. And lastly, no haircuts. So this long flowing hair that Samson had was an outward symbol that he was set apart to serve God. And as long as he would keep these vows to God, he would have this supernatural strength that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. So think like the incredible hawk, except for not green. This strength was given to Samson to save his people from the Philistines. Verse 24. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Dan, between Zora and Eshtol. This young man, Samson's life, started off in an amazing way. Such promise. His parents loved him, and they knew that God was going to use him and prepare him for something great. But then things start to go sideways. As boys begin to start, notice girls, sometimes things become stupid pretty quick, right? And Samson is the poster child for this phenomenon chapter 14 verse 1 samson went down to the city of timnah and at timnah he saw one of the daughters of the philistines then he came up and told his father and mother i saw one of the daughters of the philistines at timnah now get her for me as my wife but his father and mother said to him is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised philistines But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. He says, I want a a wife from these other country. And they're like, well, what about our country here? He heads out of town to this neighboring country of the Philistines. He sees the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen in his life. And for him, it is love at first sight. He comes home and says, mom and dad, I found the one. Arrange a marriage for me. His parents are confused. Who is this girl? Well, she's from Timnah. Why do you think she's the one? Because she is smoking. That's why, obviously. Samson, she's a Philistine. She does not serve the one true God. God gave you to us to raise you and to keep you uh, clean and pure and to save your people from the Philistines, not marry them. These people have conquered us and they're keeping us under their rule. Samson says, look, Mom, Dad, I hear everything you're saying. You're making some great points, but she's so pretty. That's it. I've made my mind up. See, Samson knew as a follower of God that we aren't supposed to marry someone that's not a believer. A sidebar here, if you've already done that, that doesn't mean, you know, ah, I got an exit strategy here. No, if you did that before you were a believer or, you know, you, you made that choice in the past, God wants to bless your marriage from this point forward, and hopefully you could be a great witness to your spouse. And Samson was driven by lust. He didn't care what he had to do. He wanted what he wanted, and he was going to take it. He was going to do this. And, and if you follow throughout his life, you're going to see, finally, lust ends up ruining his life. But see, lust isn't just about sex, money, pleasure, Yes, sex. These are all gifts from God until they become God. Until we decide to disobey God to get those things. These are gifts until we can't wait for God. Until we take shortcuts to get there. And then these gifts become curses. Samson saw what he uh, wanted and he just had to have it. He made up his mind. Craig Rochelle says it this way: Lust makes strong men weak. This starts Samson's long string of choosing his way over God's way. I want what I want. I like how it looks. I want to have fun. I've made up my mind. So, mom, dad, Samson, they head to Timna to find his wife to be. But on the way there, a lion jumps out of the woods. What does Samson do? The spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he kills that lion with his bare hands. This dude is the real tiger king. The Bible says, look, that Samson beat this lion like a baby goat. Now, personally, I have never fought a baby goat. But I feel like if that situation were to ever arise, that I could hold my own. Samson ripped this lion apart. The strength that God had given him protected him. But next we see Samson again choose to follow his lust rather than follow God. He walks back by that lion carcass a few weeks later and there's a beehive inside of it. He sees that honey and he wants it and he takes it. He knows he's not allowed to touch anything that's dead, but he does it anyway. Not only that, his parents see him eating this honey, and they are so excited. They didn't have chocolate cake back then, so honey was like the top-notch stuff. And instead of telling his parents the truth that, hey, I got this out of the carcass of a lion, you would think you would want to tell somebody that. Have you ever, like, dropped someone on the floor and still gave it to somebody? Like, here, here's a hot dog. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't act like you haven't done that. No one's ever going to take a hot dog from me again. But instead of telling them that he got this honey out of a dead body, he gives it to them. And they eat it. What a dumb thing to do, right? What a dumb thing to do. To disobey God over a handful of honey. You only killed that lion because God gave you the strength to do it. But you're going to turn your back on God just for a little taste of something that would last just a few minutes we think about it, we have also disobeyed God for some dumb reasons too. Lust makes strong men weak. Samson is a great example of how to ruin your life. If you were ever curious about what the easiest way to ruin your life would be, just be like Samson. Follow every desire in you. Follow every want in you and chase that feeling because maybe you'll be the one gets what you want, and you'll finally be satisfied with everything you have. That's not how it works. Over and over again, he chose his way over God's way. And we're going to see at the end of his life that he ends up a weak, defeated, and blind man who's made a laughingstock. He had lost everything because over and over he chose his way over God's way. He chose the momentary and temporary over his future. He couldn't wait on God. This is the perfect way to ruin your life. Go ahead, mom. Text that old boyfriend. You deserve it, right? You deserve to check in on, get that little self-esteem boost. I'm sure nothing bad would ever happen from that. There's no time to think about the consequences about how this might ruin your life. And that you may lose your family over this and give your kids two Christmases. Don't worry about that. Just go and if you want to ruin your life, this is the best way to do it. Just follow your lust for that taste of honey for just a second. Go ahead, Dad. Turn on the incognito mode on your phone. I'm sure that honey is going to satisfy you and you're going to feel great and awesome afterwards. It's not going to ruin your life. Go ahead and just live and and break your back for that promotion at work. Because once you get that promotion. You're finally going to have everything that you want. And it doesn't matter if you neglect. Your family and your wife and your church. None of that matters. Just I'm sure nothing bad's going to happen. Go ahead and lean on that alcohol. And real uh, Instead of leaning on your savior. I'm sure enough of it. If you drink enough of it. You're probably going to be happy for the rest of your life. One day you could look back at your life. And realize that you are weak and defeated and blinded by sin and made a laughing stock, lost everything because over and over you chose your way over God's way. When we choose the momentary over our future, this is the perfect way to ruin our lives. Lust makes strong people weak. First John 2:15 tells us, do not love the world. Don't get enamored by the world. Don't fall in love with the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. There's only a love in you for one thing, the world or the Father. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is of this world. The Bible tells us no man can serve two masters. We must daily choose to serve God and not our wants and not our desires. We have to continually choose to sacrifice our way, that living sacrifice, and instead choose God's way. So many things out there that want to trip us up. There's so many traps that we can fall in. So many things that look like they could be good, but in the end they're going to bite us. Or they're just uh, temporary things that only last for a minute. So many lies that look sweet. Desires of our body. Things that look good to our eyes. Things that feed our ego and our pride. These things are fleeting and they will destroy you. We all know pastors and politicians and professionals that are a shell of what they once were. Because they followed the lust for money, the lust for power, and the lust for pleasure. They lost themselves. The person that God had made them to be. Samson had every privilege, every talent, every opportunity to save his people. But he followed his flesh. He was born to save people and to help people. But instead, he helped himself to whatever he wanted. And he chose to disobey God and marry a wife that God told him not to because of how she looked. And he broke his Nazarite vow for a little taste of honey and drug his parents into sin unknowingly. Samson ruined his life. Jesus is the better Samson. Jesus is the better savior. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert as he was fasting. And the devil tried to tempt him to turn that stone into bread, but he didn't take the honey. Jesus was tempted to show off his power and defend his pride, but he resisted. Jesus was tempted to bow down to the prince of this world to have everything that this world could offer. But instead, he chose to surrender to the will of his father. Jesus is the better Samson. Jesus saved his people. Be like Jesus. Don't be like Samson. Don't ruin your life. You might think that you can handle it. But lust for pleasure, pride, and possessions will always make you weak. God's way is the best way. Don't ruin your life. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. As the Richmond's come back down here again. Lead us in worship. What in your life is that honey that you're tempted to do weird things like eat it out? Of the carcass of a lion. You do strange things to get to this thing that you know is bad for you. It doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't ever make you better. It always just leaves you feeling shame and broken and guilt. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe you're abusing some substance. Maybe it's flirting with someone at work. Well, she's just my work wife. He's just my work husband. But no, in reality, you're trying to chase that little honey to give you something that you're missing. But in the end, you're going to ruin your life. Thank the Lord God gives us opportunities like this to change our direction. And I'm praying right now that God would stop you dead in your tracks before you hurt yourself. Whatever that thing is that God's stirring up in your heart right now. If you're saved, that conviction should be on you. If you're tasting something you shouldn't be tasting. Whatever that is, take the way of escape. Decide today to give that over to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray as we come to you, search our hearts, God. Know our hearts today, God. See if there be any wicked way in us. God, help us before we fall into these traps. Help us before we taste that honey that's going to poison us. Stop us dead in our tracks, God. Help us to get it right now, even if it means being embarrassed, even if it means telling someone, hey, I need help. Because we know your way is better, even when it's harder. God, we love you, God. I pray for every person in this room, God. Point our hearts to you. Help us to be a living sacrifice. Maybe you're here today. You're not sure that if you died right now that heaven would be your home. You're not sure that you are a follower of Christ. The Bible tells us that sin is a problem. We talked about it today. It's such a big problem that it separates us from him. Because sin is breaking God's law. Sin is going against God's way. The Bible tells us that the wages of our sin is death. It separates us from God. God is a perfect and holy God and he cannot fellowship with sin. But Romans 5.8 says that God commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ paid the price of your sin. You could call out to him once and for all. And take that gift of salvation. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Words aren't important. not a magic prayer. It's a decision in your heart once and for all. You could call out to God right now and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. I'm turning from everything that I hold on to. I'm choosing you. I put my faith in you and you alone to save me. I Repent from my sin. I'm turning away from it. And I'm turning towards you. That's you today. If You made that choice or making that choice right now. I'd love for you to write that down on your connection card. Say, I choose Jesus. You online, you can email me. Message me on the side. I'd love to be able to tell you what's next. Jesus, we love you. God, help us to choose your way. In your name we pray. Amen.